Women aren't born warriors, we become them. And the road to becoming a warrior is bumpy as hell. Each week I'm interviewing women who through tragedy and triumph are leaping for greatness. Get ready to unleash your inner warrior. I'm Liz Swadek, and this is Conversations with Warrior Women. Hi, I'm Liz Swadek, and this is Conversations with Warrior Women. Some of you may know me as the founder of The Warrior Moms, an online community that was created five years ago to inspire moms and create connection. We decided with this podcast, we wanted to open it up, open up the conversation to all women. I am passionate about bringing these stories of warrior women to you. We have so much to learn from each other, and we're going to do that here. I hope these stories of resilience resonate deeply with you, because they do for me. If you have not done so already, please leave us a review. Podcasts go higher in the rankings, the better the reviews, so we would appreciate it. Okay, now for our sponsor. You guys know I love my Claudine's Kitchen and Bake Shop. Claudine's, 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 Claudine's. You know, I'm so Dolly Parton about it. Guess what they're doing? They now have a Mamba Melt. I love them. I love that they're doing this. They have a Mamba Melt, not of Kobe, carnitas grilled cheese with Oaxaca cheese, red onion, avocado, tomatillo sauce, and russet wedges. I'll be heading right over. Oh my gosh, that Mamba Melt. That's their weekly special. I love it. But they serve brunch all day, every day. They're open Monday through Friday, 8 a.m. to 4 p.m., Saturday and Sunday, 8 to 3, and they're featuring their seasonal specials for limited times. But Claudine's Kitchen and Bake Shop in Encino, you gotta go. If you wanna find more out more about me, go to thewarriormoms.co and click on the podcast link. Remember to hit that subscribe button on iTunes, Google Play, Spotify to keep up to date with the new episodes and these great warrior women. On with the show. My guest today has an amazing mantra, in fact, that she lives by that I'm going to adopt, I think, as my own. Ernestine Johnson Morrison is an electrifying, energetically bold poet and compelling actress. Starting her career in Hollywood, California, Ernestine began as a featured extra on major WB network shows at just 10 years old. She hit the big screen for the first time in Think Like a Man 2, starring Kevin Hart. Her recent TV and film credits include Ambitions on the OWN Network, Angrily Ever After on BET, and Broad City on Comedy Central. Ernestine is also infamous for in the spoken word world for being uncensored, raw, and untamed on the mic, speaking about social issues and being a voice for women. Her original spoken word piece, Average Black Girl, which we're going to talk about, Ernestine, I told you I want to talk about that, (laughs) um, performed live on the Arsenio Hall show, broke the internet with 40 million views. She followed up with Red Bottoms, and that also took the internet by storm. Aside from her flourishing entertainment career, because she's not busy enough, guess what? There's a lot more. Ernestine is an advocate for entrepreneurship, serving as the founder of Green Lit ATL, a media company, and co-founder of the Legacy Center, a co-working and production space. She's an amazing wife and a bonus mom. So she's a warrior woman and a warrior mom. And continuing her journey, Ernestine resides in Atlanta, Georgia, relentlessly cultivating her career and changing the world one word at a time. And we're going to hear about that today. Welcome, Ernestine. Hi, thank you for having me. Thank you so much for doing this. I know that you you are constantly wearing different hats all, oh my all gosh. the time. Every day. It's oh, like my I gosh. Know what oh my hat gosh. I'm okay. wearing. <laughs> oh my gosh. 
Okay, reading about you, Ernestine, like researching you, looking into, I've looked at your social media, I've done everything. <laughs> I'm stalking you, Ernestine. Um, everything you do has such deep meaning and purpose. You are constantly uplifting the Black community and yourself. How do you maintain this? Like, what is motivating you and how do you keep going? Whew, um, Big sigh. <laughs> <laughs> You know what? To be honest, I'm really motivated by pain. I mean, that sounds so crazy, but like I'm really motivated by pain when I see the deficiencies, when I see the hurt, when I see the pain, when I see the trauma in my community, in women, in mothers, in wives, it motivates me to create solutions. Like I'm all about solutions. And I think that if I have a platform and a voice and I have strategy that can help us be more whole as women, as wives, as community, um, I feel like it's my due diligence and, and, and really one of my gifts. A hundred percent. Um, I watched your spoken word video, the not your average Batgirl video, the one with Arsenio Hall, which is amazing because he basically tells everybody he didn't have time for you. Yeah. And how do yeah. you do it? Right. Just to the audience. And then once he saw what you did, he was like, oh, yeah. no, she's coming back because he couldn't even yeah. believe what you did. Um, you call out people for saying that you talk white or act white. And instead you say you aspire to be an average black girl. What made you write this and explain what that means? Um, there was a, uh, multiple reasons why I wrote this poem. You know, one specifically that I can remember, two instances that I can specifically remember. Um, I was in an acting class and we had to get together with our scene partners to work on our scenes before class. And my, my partner, my scene was a white woman. And we're at my house and I was like, you, you can come to my house. I'll have some wine and some cheese and we can go over the scene and we're having Ooh, you're wine. You're the best we're... scene partner of all time, <laughs> wine and cheese. Uh, yeah, I'm definitely a great host. Uh, I have wine and cheese and we're over, we're working on our scene. And then we get to talking because, you know, as an actor, I really like to get to know you. I want to know who you are. And then, you know, the wine makes you have a little, little looser lips and she's talking, she's talking. I'm a very good listener. I always listen to people. And she says, we, we start talking about how the acting experience may be different for a white woman and a black woman in this industry, how auditions come, how opportunities come. And she says to me, well, it shouldn't be hard for you as a black woman. You're more upper middle class. It shouldn't be hard. And she said it and sipped her wine and kept, and kept moving to the next subject. <laughs> and in my head, I was just like, wow. Like, she honestly doesn't see anything wrong with what she just said. Uh -uh. Like she just said it and kept sipping her wine. Like it was just, an, it just rolled off her tongue so fluently. And I was like, this is an issue. Like there, there is a communication issue between um, different cultures and different races. And I literally was just like the audacity to mm -hmm. say, oh, well, you shouldn't have an issue because you're more upper middle, middle class. And in my head, I'm thinking, so what does that mean? If I, if I wasn't upper middle class or if I, if I, if I was a little more black and under your definition, I, I would have more of an issue. So that was one of the things that spawned um, the genesis of that poem. And then another instance I could remember, I was boarding a plane and this lady, she was a Caucasian lady. She was in my seat. It was the window seat. She, her assigned seat was the middle seat. So I got in and I was honestly just going to be nice about it. And I almost was going to take the middle seat. And I sat down and I said, you know, you're in my seat. And she goes, and I was going to say, it's, it's fine. You can stay there. But it's fine. You're about to say. Yeah. yeah. Before yeah. I said, before it's fine, she goes, oh, okay. I'm, I mean, I'm already sat. Can you just sit there? 
And I'm just like, it's like, can you take less so I can have more? Is that okay with you? Yeah. Again, and this is, I'm in my twenties at this point. And I'm like, again, the audacity. And I'm just like, you know what? In my head, I was thinking, you know what, lady, I was already going to be nice enough, but because you're almost demanding it. Now I want my seat back. (laughs) Now I'm going to take my seat. (laughs) Yeah. Here's my ticket. I want my window seat. You can go ahead and get in the middle. But um, yeah, it's just, you know, small instances like that. And then just seeing what goes on in, in, in our community, what goes on in the world and the bias, the racial bias that happens in, in our community. Um, I felt like as a leader and as a person who is very, very unapologetic with my words and direct and assertive, I'm like, you know what? I'm going to put it in my art. And I think like Nina Simone said, you know, art should reflect the times and all of my art reflects the times. Yeah. I, I mean, I thought what you said was really powerful because I think in the beginning, you don't really know what direction you're going. Because at first I'm yeah. watching it. And then when you said, no, I aspire to be the average yeah. black girl, I was like, I get it. <laughs> and I am yeah. white. It takes me a minute. Yeah. But I, yeah. did, I, I did get it. And I thought it was insanely powerful and gave me a window into what it's like to have a totally different experience. And I can't even yeah. imagine yeah. that experience because I'm not having it, obviously. But I, I appreciate it. Um, I know your motto is create, don't wait. That's create, a great mantra. Yes. Create, don't wait. <laughs> yes. Tell me about this. Like, what do you mean by that? Number one. And then also tell me, you know, what motivated you to be an advocate for entrepreneurship in the black community? Um, I'm glad that you said that. Um, however, I'm not only an advocate for entrepreneurship in the black community, although that's my focus, but I'm an advocate for entrepreneurship in in general. Um, What made me create the model, create Don't Wait, and and really live and operate my life like that and, and, and be a beacon and speak that into people is because as an actress and just as a woman, there are certain positions that I feel like I've been slighted or I didn't get it or I deserved it and somebody told me no and someone rejected me and I you start garnering this fear of like rejection and being told no. And then one day I woke up and I said, God ordained me. He planted the seeds in me. I have all the power to say yes to myself and give myself the green light. And if I'm not seeing the role with my name on it, then I can go create the role and I can go find a friend who directs and I can find another friend who writes and another friend who produces and another friend who has a camera. And I can say, Hey guys, let's shoot a short film so I can put myself in the position. I can give myself the green light and I can create the role and not wait on Hollywood to do it. After I did the Arsenio Hall show and my poem was super viral and I was like, this is so crazy video. I can do this myself. I can put videos to all my poems. So after the Arsenio Hall show went viral, I started putting myself, creating my own poems and putting them to video with my friends who all had cameras and who edited and who directed and who produced and who did lighting and staging. And we created all my own videos and I garnered millions and millions of more views off of a product that I produced myself. And when I started operating from that mindset, I'm like, oh, I need to tell everybody about this. I need to tell all women about this. I need to tell all people about this because I know countless and countless of people, specifically women who think it's going to fall on their lap, the opportunity is going to fall on their lap, or someone's just going to have some magic fairy dust and it's just going to be, you know, bestowed upon them. And I'm like, no, you guys, we all have a gift. We all have an idea. We all have a seed planted in us. If you surround yourself with a village who believes in you and you believe in them, you guys can get together and make it happen. And um, that's what Create Don't Wait is. Create, don't wait on the opportunity. Go ahead and create it. No asking for permission to do No asking for permission. That you need to do and that you know you are here to do. I agree with that. I always ask people when I speak at, you know, different talks and I say, somebody tell me what the root word of authority is. And of course, we know it's author. 
And what does author mean? Author, you you give something authority. You author it when you speak it, when you think it, when you write it. You have to be the author of your life. You have to have complete authority over your life. As 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 adults, if you're over the age of 18, you have complete authority over your life. You have the power to author anything. And when you author something, you can speak something bad or you can speak something good over your life. And I believe in having 100% authority over everything I say that I want to have for my life. I love that. And you can authorize what you yes. will and will not take, and I must say, take. also. Yes, ma'am. Yes. Uh-huh. <laughs> um, I love that you're an advocate for entrepreneurship, for everyone, for everyone. Yes. Um, specifically though, you do also really advocate in the black community, which I, I want to talk about the Tulsa, uh, real, real estate fund, but yes. tell me why entrepreneurship kind of lights you up. Cause there's a lot of things you're very motivating on so many levels, but why does entrepreneurship kind of light you up? Or what was the light bulb there where you said, Oh, I have, I have something to say on, on this. You know, I was a personal shopper for Neiman Marcus for five years. And in that five years, I, you know, was a, one of the top sales associates. I had an amazing clientele from every A-list celebrities to athletes. I mean, the list goes on and on. And I was making so much money, right? And then I heard someone say that Black folks specifically, we sell a lot of alcohol and we sell a lot of people's clothes. And I didn't know what he meant by that. I'm like, what do you mean? And then I started listening to rap songs and all these viral rap songs that everybody listens to when we talk about Cabossier and this oh, yeah. brand, Versace and Gucci. Yeah, and I'm yeah. like, oh, that's what he meant. Because black, black culture in general, we start really all, we start a lot of the trends. We make things go viral. We, we pour so much money into so many brands. And when I thought about it, when I worked at Neiman Marcus and I seen that I was selling so many clothes, I mean, I was selling millions and millions of dollars a year worth of clothes. I said, geez, how many people who look like me own these brands that I'm selling? And I went to a, a, a talk, another talk. I'm big on going to different talks and seminars. And, and, and the guy said, actually, this was my husband, my husband, Mr. Jay Morrison. If you don't know who Jay Morrison is, please look him up. My husband said, how many families are you feeding with the outfit you're wearing right now? Mm. And I was like, I'm like, what? And he said, from the thread on your, on your sweater to the, to the plastic thing that, that, go, that covers your shoelaces to make your, the ends of your shoelaces stay together, to the rubber on the soles of your shoes, these are all owned by companies, and these companies are owned by families. Yeah. When you go to Gucci, Gucci is a last name. Louis Vuitton, yeah. Hermes, Dior, these are names. These are family names. How many families are you feeding with everything that you have? Everything that we have on right now. Me and you both, Elizabeth, from the, from the frames on your glasses to our rings to everything that we have on is attached to somebody's family's name. And he said, how many Black people in our community are, in these, are on these lists of, of the families that we're feeding? We're last in home ownership. We're last in business ownership. And that's for me when the light bulb started going off and I was like, owner be owned. It's, 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 it's ownership. And if we don't start taking ownership as the people, as black people, as women, um, we're always going to be the, we're always going to be owned. Owned always. or be owned. I swear. Owner be owned. That's a, that's a, that's a book that yeah. you need to write, <laughs> by the way. Yeah. Do, do I love to do this with you, by the way? You do, I, you do. I, yeah. I, I think I have to work with Katie. I think, yeah. I think Katie, I'm just going to tell managing. Katie, I'm going to be in charge of your product line. Right. <laughs> um, own or be owned. You got to write that book. Um, yeah. I love that so much. Okay. Tell me about Tulsa real estate fund. 
Yeah. So the toaster real that's estate a natural, guy, natural kind of progression. What you're talking about and what you yes, yes. Um, I am the co-owner of the toaster real estate fund. It was founded um, by a mate, my amazing, brilliant, genius husband, um, Jay Morrison. It is the first black-owned real estate crowdfund. It's a Regulation A Tier Two crowdfund where we gave everybody the opportunity to invest in our fund for as little as five hundred dollars. And most funds that are similar to ours, the entry, the minimum is ten thousand dollars. But we wanted this fund to attract the working class person, the everyday person who wants to passively invest in real estate and have ownership. Um, And we raised over $8 million after launching our fund and we purchased real estate assets all across the nation. And so we have over 9,600 partners that own real estate with us right now as we speak current day who are all um, equity holders in our company and equity holders in our assets under our portfolio. Amazing. And I just, we talked about this a little bit offline, but we... When I think about somebody who is living paycheck to paycheck and yeah. could never even think of getting into yeah. the stock market or, I mean, that's, are you kidding? They're, they're like yeah. wondering where their food is. Can, should I pay my gas bill this week? Should I pay that? Yeah. So yeah. to think yeah. that somebody could get in on something like that has got to be such a point of pride for somebody. Yeah. You know, it, it's, it's, it's a point of pride. And I do want to make it clear too, for those of us who are listening, who may not know what Tulsa means because um. Our name is very symbolic. The Tulsa Real Estate Fund is after Tulsa, Oklahoma, in which there was a town in the early 1900s called Black Wall Street that O.W. Gurley founded in the early 1900s. He was a a black man who went to Tulsa Town, Oklahoma, now known as Tulsa, purchased 40 acres of land, and he sold to other black, only other black um, folks and entrepreneurs because of Jim Crow laws. And they built a self-staining, thriving community of 36 square blocks of thriving businesses, their own banks, their own beauty supply, beauty salons, their own school, their own libraries, their own grocery stores, their own movie theater. They had six wow. private planes, six private planes. I mean, it was a thriving mm. community that was completely bombed and burned down in one day on June 1st in 1921. White supremacists went and burned this place down in mm. a matter of a matter of a day, um, com- a complete massacre. They tried to call it a riot, so so there was no insurance claims paid out. It was a massacre, and we resurrect that spirit of Black Wall Street in Tulsa, in Tulsa, Oklahoma, with the Tulsa Real Estate Fund. Um, so I want to make that very clear because when we pr- when we practice group economics as a community, we can own things, and you and you can work a nine to five and be a working class tax-paying citizen and still passively invest in real estate. And you could do that through the Tulsa Real Estate Fund. So they can still invest. So even though you've raised all this money, people can still invest. Where would they yes. go if they want to get more information and maybe put some money in? They would go to TulsaRealEstateFund.com. Okay, perfect. Okay, I just want to make sure we said that. All right, yeah. you know, I want to talk about my favorite thing now. I want to talk about <laughs> Crown. Crown. I want to walk, I want to talk about Crown. Tell me what does it stand for and tell me why did you start it? This is my absolute favorite thing I'm adopting into my life. Yes, crown. I like, uh, I just love the crown. It's, it's how I live my life. It is my acronym. It was one of my mantras. Crown stands for confidence, resilience, optimism, willpower, and non-negotiables. And I started crown because I think as women in general, whether you're a mom or a wife or you're single, just being a woman alone comes with so much. And we get into these spaces where we just crawl into this dark corner because it's so much and we think we can't do it and we have so much weight on us. And there has to be something that gets us out of the bed. And for me, it's mindset. I'm big on mindset. And for me, the crown is a mindset. Confidence. Confidence means to be certain about what you know to be true. 
resilience, to be bended, to be broken, to be stretched, but being able to bounce back. And I know as women in general, we've all been resilient. We've all been bended and broken and stretched. And because we're still here, the fact, the mere fact that we're still here, we're resilient. Yes. Optimism is having a positive mindset and a positive outlook. Even when life throws its curveballs, what is a positive message in this situation? Um, it's how I live my life. Willpower. You have to have an undying amount of willpower. You have to have a burning desire for what it is you say you want for your life. If you want to be that amazing businesswoman CEO, if you want to be that amazing wife, if you want to be the best mom you can be, it has to burn. You have to want it that bad where you physically feel it. And you yes. have to have a willpower that you're going you're gonna to get it done by any means necessary. Yes. And then we get to the end, which is the most important part, important part of the crown, um, is non-negotiables. Yes. This is my favorite part of the whole thing. Boundaries. The the end holds the entire crown up. When I say crown, because we're all queens and the end holds your entire crown up. You have to set boundaries with people, places, and things in order for you to continue to hold your confidence, resilience, optimism, willpower. In order to hold that up, you have to have clear non-negotiables and you have to have clear non-negotiables before you walk into any atmosphere. Yeah. What is what is non-negotiable for you? What is an uncompromisable? What is something that cannot be bent? It can't. It cannot fold. Like these are my five non-negotiables, um, and you have to have those in order to hold your crown up high and to stay focused and to stay the course. You have to set boundaries and you have to teach people how to treat you, um, and that's that's the crown. I told you that I need my crown journal. And you are going yes. to make that for me. I am, I've already started. Everything. I've already started. Okay. I need my crown journal so I can do my daily stuff. You will be the uh, first one, thing, one. Yes, girl. I want my first one. Um, one thing I think is really important about this crown thing in the, in the era of the Jeffrey Epsteins and the Harvey Weinsteins. And I was an yes. actress back in the million years ago. <laughs> and, you know, I remember going to auditions and there would be that moment where they're like, you know, can you take off your shirt? Cause this is like a topless thing. You're going to be top. And something in me was like, no. And I saw other girls do it. Other girls did do it. I said, you know, if I get the part, we'll, we'll, we'll talk about that. We'll talk about what, you know, what can happen. But I saw other girls doing things like that and, you know, and nothing against them because truthfully, until you've got your non-negotiable set, some things kind of throw you. You can be thrown, but that's something I'm really talking to my daughter about. She's 10 and you do need to go, need to know if things are going to come up, people are going to ask you to do things, ask you to be things that you are not. And so you don't have that preset. You don't want to be blindsided by somebody's insanity. Like think of all those girls who just showed up to massage, quote unquote, this old man, Jeffrey Epstein. No one had talked to them and said, this is not okay. If an old man is trying to get you to do something for money, there was no discussion of that because back then we didn't even know we needed to have that discussion. But now I feel like there's a lot of discussions. Thank you, Harvey Weinstein and all these unbelievable pedophiles, but things we have to talk about and negotiables we have to have in the room and even just to be in the room full of men. If you're the only woman in a room full of men, you have to kind of have your non-negotiable set because that yeah, can be really bad. Yes. So I, I mean, even, even, even if you just want to get a little more minuscule as well, like from nuances to personal nuances, you have to have non-negotiables with yourself. Like for me, like I read 45 minutes a day. It's one of my rules. I read 45 minutes a day. Reading is one of the keys to life for me. And I literally 
will read 45 minutes a day, even if I'm tired or I don't feel like it or, oh, it's too late. Oh, I only got 15 minutes in. Well, you got a couple minutes more. Keep going. I have non-negotiables. I make my bed every day. It's a non-negotiable. I remember when my husband, um, when we were dating, he took me on one of our first dates and he dropped me off at my high rise. I love telling this story. He hates when I tell it. I love (laughs) this story. You told me this once. Yeah. He dropped me off after our dinner and then just drove off. And I called him and I said, Hey, don't ever drive off without seeing me get into a door safely. And he never to this day has done it. It's a non-negotiable. It's how you, it's, you, you, you're, you're teaching people how to treat you. You're teaching the universe how to treat you. You're teaching your atmosphere, your space, how to treat you when you set non-negotiables with people, places, and things and habits. Yeah. Knowing your worth and being able to not be, not be afraid to say, yeah. I'm worth not more be, than that. You're going to have to- And not be afraid to say no. Yes. Not be afraid exactly. to say no. There's power in no. Yes. Okay. Tell me about Greenlit Atlanta. Tell me about this. Yes. Greenlit ATL. It is my media company. Um, it started out as a monthly event where we meet first Thursdays of every month. I screen short content from different independent filmmakers and actors and content creators, and I interview them live in front of our audience. Um, about the filmmaking process and how they put themselves in position to create Don't Wait. And it has completely grown into me funding films and providing a platform and opportunity for other filmmakers, providing resources like director's courses, actor's courses, writer's courses um, for the entertainment community in Atlanta. Um, As Georgia being one of the film hubs now, I thought it was important to bring another platform to Georgia where young filmmakers and and, um, independent filmmakers can know, hey, you don't have to wait on Hollywood to validate you. You don't have to wait on anyone to validate you. If you're, if you're an actor, go act. If you're a director, go direct. And here are the tools and the resource, resources you need to go do it and put yourself in position to give yourself the green light. I love that. I love it. Everything you do, I love this, Ernestine. Everything you do is create, don't wait. Literally everything Everything, you do. everything I do, create, don't <laughs> is wait. The, it is your mantra. It is your mantra. Yes. All right. We're, we are now at the speed round portion of the uh, game show where we're going to do our little speed round. Um, tell me what is your morning ritual? Okay. My morning ritual is I wake up, I I make my bed. Um, I, oh gosh, did I just forget my morning ritual? No. Okay. I get up. I I make my bed. You're so tired from this flight. You don't even know where you are right now, by the way. You don't even know where you are. So that would not be great. (laughs) The fact that you're holding it together till now, I'm, I'm in shock. I make my bed. That is, that's one of my things. My non-negotiable. Read in the morning? When do you read? I, I, I work out. I read. I read my daily bread in the morning. Um, if I have time, I'll start my 45 minutes of reading. If I don't, I definitely read my daily bread. And I work out. I have to work out, you guys. Like, if I do not work out, I am not a good person. <laughs> um, working out for me is, is, is definitely key. Reading, making my bed. Um, I pray in the morning. I pray every morning. I get up. Thanking God for another another chance of breath, another chance of life, and yeah, that's that's my morning ritual. You were telling me too. Sometimes you listen, you will watch like a like a video. You were telling. Oh me yes, I listen to Sarah Jakes. I yes, to okay. Sarah so you Jakes. told me. Okay, so T, Bishop TD Jakes for over ten years of my life, I've been watching him because I'm obsessed with him, and I his yes. his. his, his the, the, the cadence, the way he speaks, the way, I mean, I just literally cry. Like he starts talking and I just start bawling. I love him, so much. <laughs> I love him. I just start crying, but I did not know his daughter was doing this. So oh what is gosh. her name? Tell me again. Sarah Jakes. Sarah, Sarah Jakes. Yeah. Jakes so I was, Roberts. Sarah Jakes Roberts. I watched and you are a hundred percent right. She's incredible. Oh my God. Which one did you watch? Cause I can literally talk about her I for watched hours. The one, wait, hold on. She repeated the way she said, I, I am. 
Oh God, I'm trying to remember what she said. Not, I'm, I'm like coming into being, or it was like a, it was like a phrase. She kept repeating it. I am. Ah, it's killing me. Was it the come up? No. Um. Oh my God, I can't remember what it was. But I literally thought the whole day long I was saying that to myself. It was basically saying that even though you feel like you're not ready or you're not where you want to be. It's okay that you are like sowing, it's, this is not it, but it was like, she's sowing the seeds or like, mm-hmm, I'm mm-hmm. about to be there or I forget what, oh my God, like, I'm, I'm going to He is up. amazing. You got, I, yeah. I'm going to have to look it up. That. It's killing me right now. Um, but yes. Sarah and, Jace. I literally put her, I put the podcast on or I put the YouTube on, on my speaker and I get in the shower. That's what I do. I get in the shower oh, after I, after I, she has a podcast. Oh, I didn't even know this. Okay. Yeah, well, if you go on the Apple podcast, it's, it's the one setting in motion. Oh, what are you setting in motion? I'm setting something in motion that it's to just put your little feet down and take one step. Cause you're, you know what? It's, you're not there yet. You, yeah. you haven't accomplished it, but you're setting it in motion. And it gave me the chills. I was like, I Man. love setting it in motion. That has to be in your crown journal. Set, yes. Setting in motion. Man, Sarah Jakes. Um, she's definitely part of my, my morning routine. I put her on in the shower I started, I start the beginning in the shower because then you get out and you got to get out the house. And I, then I put her on in my car Yes. and I drive to wherever I'm going, whether it's an audition or a meeting or my, my building, whatever. Um, love Sarah Jakes, love my daily bread in the morning, love to make my bed, um, have to eat breakfast. That's another one. My, I have to eat breakfast. Like it is a must and working out. That's my morning routine. Okay. What's your idea of your perfect lunch? My perfect lunch is a sandwich. Um, I love a turkey sandwich. sandwich. I used to eat meat. I stopped eating meat, but it used to be a turkey sandwich and like chips. I love jalapeno chips. And I sometimes put the chips in the sandwich so the sandwich is crunchy. (laughs) (laughs) And I have to have extra pickles. (laughs) Now you're not eating meat. Now what are you eating? You can't eat your sandwich. Are you doing sandwich and veggie sandwiches? I have, yes. I actually got a veggie sandwich from Jimmy John's and it it was so good. I didn't even taste the difference. I still put my same condiments. (laughs) I am obsessed with meat. So this is going to be, people are like, just try one day a week. I'm like, no. (laughs) That's what my my pastor has challenged our entire church to like, just do meatless Mondays. So like once a week, my husband, he won't even do meat now. But like once a week is good to give yourself a break for me. (laughs) I know. I need to do it. God bless. Okay. What makes you feel unstoppable, Ernestine? What makes you feel unstoppable? My my husband, my husband, Mr. J. Morrison. He literally is so motivating. Not only just watching him is motivating, but he intentionally pours into me, intentionally lifts me up and 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 highlights me and makes me feel that I am just completely unstoppable. I'm superwoman. I can do it all. Um, my husband is definitely my my secret sauce. I love, it. I love it. <laughs> Who do you most admire? Who do I most admire? I think I admire many people, but my number one is my, my, my GJ, my grandmother. She passed in 2004. She was the epitome of class and poise and creativity and vibrancy. She was just super amazing. And I, I, could, I could only walk halfway in her shoes. That's how amazing she was. Mm, I love it. I love that you have that example. What's exciting you the most right now? I'm excited about life though. Like I, I told my Greenlit audience the other night, be excited just about life. Be excited just because it's Tuesday. Just be excited because you're breathing and healthy. Yeah. I'm excited when I wake up. It, Cause I know, and I know all of us know people who didn't make it to 2020. So 
if you made it to 2020 and you're here on a Tuesday or Wednesday, or whatever day you're listening to this, be excited about that. Yeah. All right. I, I, I couldn't agree more. Thank you, Ernestine. Thank <laughs> you for doing this. Thank you for talking to us. Thank you for sharing your strength, your motivation, your heart. You have the best heart. I, I have not met you yet. I want to meet you in person, but yes. I really, I admire you and all the things you're doing. So thank you so well, much. Likewise. Thank you for having me and thank you for having this platform and thank you for being intentional about highlighting women and letting women tell their stories. Um, so thank you and thanks for having me. Awesome. Well, thank you for joining to me today. And remember to subscribe on iTunes, Google Play, Spotify. And if you enjoyed the show, please leave us a review. It helps more listeners like you find our show. This is the Conversations with Warrior Women podcast with me, Liz Swadek. Remember, every woman has a story you just need to ask her. Bye, guys. Mm-hmm.